Thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, this is so fun, very surreal. Uh, but I just want to tell you, Westside, uh, my, on behalf of my wife, Elise, and our three daughters, we're just really humbled and incredibly grateful and would have never predicted this moment, um, particularly a year ago. It was actually about, I'd say, two years ago or so, no, no, 14 months ago, that I was with my A2 community guys, and we were praying as we are uh, want to do on a Wednesday morning. And one of my buddies, his name is Ryan, he was praying for me because I was going through this journey. We'll call it a Jonah journey. And, and in the midst of his prayer, I just heard in my in that kind of third space in your head, you know, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's not my thoughts. I'm pretty sure it's, you know, like there's something in the back cavity of your brain. I just heard one word, bivocation. And by definition, bivocation means that you work, your vocation is in two different places, two different industries or sectors. In the church world, it generally means that you're working uh, with a church and you're also working in the marketplace. Now, when I heard that word, it wasn't shocking to me uh, because I had been reading books on this. I had been in discussion about this. I was thinking that this is kind of what it, it, where maybe I might be headed. And yet, it landed with this kind of uniqueness and this weight to it, what I'll describe later in more detail, as kind of a, the warmth and weight of heaven is what it had around it. Now, whenever you hear something that you wonder if it's from God, we just believe God speaks. God has a heart to be in communication with each of us. God wants to be in relationship with all of us, and that requires communication. So whenever we kind of try to, we hear something, we go, God, is that, that you? We, we want to make sure it's not aspirational, which means I want it to be true, or delusional, which means I think it's true, but it's not, or diabolical, which means that's actually from Satan, the enemy of God, trying to confuse me, right? And, and then how do you just know you didn't eat a funky taco last night? right? And, and it's actually your stomach talking. Like, how do you know those things? So we go to the scriptures because God is never going to uh, contradict himself. What has always been true will continue to be true. We do like what I did with my buddies. We go to community and say, help me discern this with me. And then we just get a sense. Does this have that, that texture, that tenor of the heart of God? Uh, that would compel me even closer to him. That was 14 months ago, and it's been a very meandering and circuitous and at times confusing and anguishing journey since then, which is often what the Jonah journey kind of feels like. But today, I mean, this is absolutely crazy. I have started a business called Lost Ball Consulting. I get to work with leaders and speakers, both in the marketplace and in the church, and Lost Ball just stands for potential. It's like, hey, there is more in you. Let's unlock it, and not only just your potential, but the potential of those that you lead. So we do it one-on-one -on -one with leaders. I do it in groups called cohorts, and I do it with organizations and companies, and it is absolutely a blast, and also I get to continue to speak from the Word of God and use this gift as well. I just got to tell you that, I mean, who, and, and here's the crazy thing. My wife just made this observation yesterday morning. It was exactly a year ago today that I gave my last sermon at Heartland Community Church. Isn't that crazy? I was like, you can't script that. And, and I would have never predicted that. And I just got to say, it is awesome, Westside, um, to not only be able to, to do this, uh, I don't take it lightly. 
It's incredibly meaningful to me. And as a family, it is so sweet to call you home as our spiritual family as well. So thank you for that. That has been a Jonah journey. I just want to be very clear, though. You are not my Nineveh, okay? Right? You're not that. And yet, we have gone on a journey just like you are on a journey, just like Jonah was on a journey. So we're going to weave all those stories together here today, but let's begin in prayer. And as custom for this series, don't be a Jonah, we are actually praying out loud together a prayer. So if you would, grab your old school Bible if you've got it, grab your new school Bible, which is your phone, or if you have neither one of those, just um, I want you just to say, with some sort of physical expression, I am going to raise my hand or whatever. If you don't want to do any of that, you don't need to. But let's all stand. If you're able, let's stand and pray this out loud together. Dear God, join me. We study your word to know you, the truth, and to find direction for our daily lives. Give us the guts to follow you, Will, the first time so we can avoid living in the gut of a really big fish. Amen. You may be seated. I also want to just give greetings to those of you at Speedway, uh, the South Sanctuary, West Side, anywhere, the online community, uh, wherever you are, obviously here in the North Sanctuary. It's just awesome to be together. Let's jump right to Jonah, chapter 2, the very last verse, ends in kind of this somewhat slightly ironic, comical, if not ominous place, verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I just love the way that ends. Then, chapter 3, this is actually my assigned text for the day. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Notice it said a second time. Jonah is experiencing what we all experience. He's getting the double call. You know what I mean by the double call? Like, we all have kind of like a, a phone hierarchy system. Like, when do you pick up the phone, when do you not, right? You ever thought about this? I don't know if you've ever written it out. But we all have kind of a, a hierarchy of when you, when you pick up our, your phone or you don't. And it starts with blocked caller. You're like, I know who that is. Don't trust them. Not picking up, right? That's, that's like the lowest of the low. Then there's unidentified caller. And you look at that, and you just see digits, and you're like, ah, it says 913. It could be a great call. It could be the call I was expecting. But it says it's from Elwood, Kansas, which probably means scam likely, not picking it up, stepping away, not even going to touch that one, right? Then you have the convenience caller. That's somebody you do know, and really, you like them, but they're calling not at a convenient time for you. It's not on your terms. You don't want to talk to them in this moment in time for fear that they're on some road trip, and they've got nothing but time to kill, right? And they're out of podcasts to listen to, and so they think to themselves, what should I do? I know. I'll call Dan at three in the afternoon on a Tuesday and hold him sabotage while I share my happy little thoughts off on the, on the Kansas prairie, right? It's like, that's when you just go, no, I just don't think I can do that. Then there's the double call, people you like and you love. And uh, if you were to pick up, you'd go, it's similar to the convenient caller. It's a little bit like, it could be my college buddy going, Deeps, we had an awesome round of golf, you know. So you let it go, but if they call right back, boom, you pick up because they're, they need you. All right, game on, dropping everything. Then there's the single call, 
And that, uh, for me, is a very short list. It's my wife, it's my daughters, and increasingly, it's, it's my parents, right? And then there's millennials. In general, this doesn't apply to you because you don't pick up your phone to actually talk on it. When, when a millennial gets a phone call, they're like, what is this thing? My phone is ringing. They're like, just text. What are you doing? My parents are like, or my daughters are like, why, why must you call somebody? That's so weird. They think it's weird. Anyways, we all have our phone hierarchy system. Now, as it relates to God, let me ask you this. Where does God fit in your hierarchy? Is he on your blocked caller list? You, you're mad at him. You're confused by him. You're dealing with some bitterness, and you're like, I know that's God, but I've got you on. Do not disturb is he on your unidentified caller list where you're like, that might be God, I just don't know enough about God and, and what I have experienced, maybe by organized religion, maybe by way of portrayal through the media, I'm thinking scam likely. Maybe he's on your convenient list where you're like, hey, I'm totally into God when I'm in the right place for God. Like when it's according to my plans and my time or if I have need, I'll go to him. But if he were to come to me, it would have to be on my terms inconvenience, or like Jonah is at the double call. I mean, what would be so cool is if we could move to the single call. We're like, yes, God's calling. This is awesome. I trust his heart. I trust his character. I'm in. For Jonah, it was the double call, which let me just say, thank you, Jonah. He's literally a prophet. He's a holy guy. He's in the Bible, and he's not on a first call basis. He's got his own hierarchy. I'm like, thank you. That makes him feel more human and me better, right? And, and he is. He is on a second call status with God. Now, the call that he's on, just by way of some, some review here, is the first call is he's called to go from Joppa to this really kind of barbaric place called Nineveh. And on a map, it looks just like this, right? It's pretty clean and simple. There he is in Joppa. He gets the first call. He's called to go to Nineveh, which sounds absolutely outlandish. It would be like he was called to Buffalo is what it would feel like in that moment, right? By the way, what was Jonah doing at the time of this? Well, if we look in another place in scriptures, he's working with King Jeroboam to establish boundary lines for northern Israel. That's what he's doing. He's like delineating lines. Here's where we are. Here's where everyone else is. Now what, God, what is God going to do? He's going to blow away every boundary for Jonah. A topographical, geographical boundary, but also a boundary in his own heart and the landscape of his own soul. Jonah goes on a Jonah journey, and for that you can't have a map. But you can do it on a whiteboard or some version of which. And uh, by the way, Westside, you're so awesome um, as, as a way of kind of inviting me into this part-time role of teaching, one of the teaching pastors. Um, a beautiful bouquet of flowers came to my wife and one for each of my three daughters, and I got nothing until I showed up this morning, and guess what I got? Right here, I got a whiteboard or a whiteboard-esque kind of thing. It's just so, so cool. They know my love language. It's absolutely amazing. Let's talk about Jonah's journey. 
This is going to be messy, and you don't need to remember all the stops on this way, but I think you will be able to identify the stops because you'll see it in your own life. It starts just with normalcy. The happy music is playing for Jonah. He's going about being a prophet, doing the prophet thing, drawing boundaries and lines, and then bam, the word of God comes to Jonah, son of Amittai. And there's a theological word for whenever God calls somebody. You know what it is? Interruption is what it stands for, right? So interruption. From normalcy to this interruption, and Jonah's like, ah, no, 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 no. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. That's not you, God. La, 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 la. Going back to Tarshish. 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 I'm going back to Tarshish, right? And he goes by way of escape. He's going to go to the place of the path of least resistance. He's going to go to where his plan he thought would, would be the better thing. He was going to go to his own fantasy. He was going to go to where he felt could feel strong. He would go just like you and I go when we hear maybe the word of God and we just go, la, 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 not sure, not sure, block caller list, and he goes to Tarshish. But here's what we know. We know that things generally work better when we listen to God the first time than the second time. Not in a karma way, not in a God's going to punish you, but in, if we trust in the character of God, that he loves you, he's for you, and he has his best intentions for you, we just know that walking kind of in that way, things will typically, not without cost, not without sacrifice, but they'll tend to go better. And when we try to live in resistance to what he's doing or escape, well, then at some point, there's crisis, and that crisis happens to be for Jonah, a storm, and he jumps overboard ultimately, and he's swallowed by a very large fish, and so from crisis, it leads ultimately to a place of darkness. It gets darker and darker and darker, and we know this place too. For Jonah, he probably had to come up against his own limits. He had to come to the end of himself. As Jung would say, it's a horrible shock to confront oneself, and yet, and I love how Randy just drilled down on this last week. In the belly of the whale, he could have just brought complaint or what's called lament. Instead, he, he brought actually thanksgiving. There was something that triggered in Jonah that led to what we'll just call an awakening, and then ultimately a release. He's burped out, bleach white, face down, sand and seaweed. But there he is. There's the Jonah journey. Does it possibly look familiar to you? It's not a pretty journey. It's not a clean journey. You could come back to this drawing an hour later and go, I have no idea what he was talking about. Maybe you're still there. But is this not the journey of sobriety? Is this the journey of a relationship, possibly a marriage? It doesn't even have to be a sinful journey. This is the journey of infertility. My wife and I remember that well. This is the journey of a spiritual journey with God for many of us. I was doing my thing. I went on escape. I came up against the end of myself. I was in a very dark place. Even clinically, this can be a psychological journey called depression, where we know this journey. This was my journey, 18 months, actually, for five years. God was doing things in me, around me, about me, 
and I was trying to do my own thing. Now we can look at this, and there's some key questions, some diagnoses that we can bring to this. And the first maybe is we could look right here. We could look at this interruption moment and say, when God calls and speaks, and I said this earlier, will I receive it as an interruption or as an opportunity? Because again, we trust in the character of God, that he wants all of the very best for you in this moment. And that actually, the call to Nineveh would have been this kind of up and to the right experience, right? Here, here was Nineveh, I want you to go there. Now, now, that doesn't mean easy, that doesn't mean without sacrifice, it doesn't even mean without pain. And if we're honest, it's not quite a straight line, it kind of looks like this all the way through. But that feels a lot better than that, right? And if we could become a first call guy or a first call gal, to live in that kind of nimble lockstep with the Holy Spirit. Wow. It'd at least save us time, right? The second key question is, if you're here in a place of darkness or around this general area, will you turn towards God, which will lead to your awakening, or turn away from God that leads to a hardening. This is a really pivotal point. Jonah turned to God, and yes, he brought thanksgiving. I think he probably, though not uh, as heavily recorded, brought a lot of what he was feeling. And wherever you are in that dark place, even if it's I doubt you, God, even if it's I, I'm not sure about you, even if it's I'm mad at you, even whatever it is, just turn to him. He can handle it. And that will be the pathway out into the light of your awakening. But if we turn away from him, the hardening looks like this. Go deeper and deeper down and further and further west. That's the hardening path. Further and further into isolation. You know what's interesting? This isn't in your notes. But where was the rescue moment for Jonah. Where was the rescue moment? In this story, we didn't mark it for you, but there is a rescue moment. It was in the belly of the whale. It was when the Lord brought a large fish. Now to Jonah, did that feel like rescue? He jumped in the waters thinking, if I jump in the waters, the waters will calm, right? I just need to get off the boat. And then a huge, massive whale or fish shows up. A sperm whale, as Randy talked about last week, right? And now he's inside, it's super dark, and he tries to feel his way around. He goes, those are either pillars or ribs. I can't tell. That must not have felt like rescue. And that is very much what it feels like for us when we experience the grace of God in our lives, some form of rescue, but we don't identify it as such. I have a friend, he's a mentor of mine, his name is Tom, and when he prays for somebody that's in this dark place and descending, hardening, he'll pray this, because this is really hitting rock bottom. That's what that is. So he'll say, as he prays for someone that's in that place, Lord, will you help them to hit rock bottom? And would you raise their bottom up? Isn't that a beautiful prayer? 
Because we know it's at rock bottom that you come to the end of yourself. It's know that you, you, you confront the brutal facts. It, you know that it's there that a new determination arises within you. But God, would you be so gracious that they don't have to fall so far? Would you raise their bottom up? That would lead to awakening. The last question is this, is no matter where I am on this journey, do I believe that God loves me? that it's unconditional, that it's irrevocable, that his love is so insatiable that it just, he, he just never quits. Do I believe that? Because you could look at your own journey, and if this is your journey, you're like, well, that is a colossal waste of time. And if you're looking at it from a business perspective, just look at all the efficiency and all of the costs. This is how you go bankrupt in business and in soul. And yet, actually, by the grace of God, the goodness of God and his deep heart for every single one of us, he looks at you and me and he says, right on time. I've got you right where I want you. And it's in this moment for Jonah that, that the scriptures say, look at it with me here as we just continue in chapter three. It says, verse three, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He obeyed. I know that sounds really churchy, very religious. Maybe it sounds overly Disciplinarian, what does obey mean? It just simply means this. Here's, here's the, the word I think Jonah really said. I think he just said, okay. <laughs> I think his shoulders were like this. Okay. I've come to the end of myself. I've tried doing it my own way. I keep banging my head against the wall. I keep leaving carnage along in my path. I keep pushing against something that there doesn't seem to be favor for. I, I don't know, but okay, God, your way's better than mine. Okay, God, you know better than I. Okay. God has you right where he wants you, just like he had Jonah, right where he wanted Jonah. And what does God say when you bring your okay? When you're just like, oh, okay. By the way, devoid of emotion, right? Just a period, no exclamation point, no high five. What does God say? I think he goes, all right, all right. Because okay is the sound of surrender. It means you're pliable, malleable, vulnerable in all of the best ways. That there's been a maturation process for you. You're a different person here than you were right here. And that's a good thing. There's been formation, transformation happening in you. And I think God goes, all right, now I'm going to call again. And when you bring your okay to God, as feeble as it might sound, as unheroic as it might feel, you will experience the warmth and the weight of heaven. And by that, the warmth, you'll feel the affection of your father, the tenderness, the nearness You'll be compelled and, and drawn towards him, not away from him. You'll feel the weight of heaven, which is that new determination, a conviction. Could even be a sorrow, but the kind that causes you to lean forward into God versus isolatingly away from him. The warmth and weight of heaven will fall upon you as I believe it did for Jonah. And as we pick up the story, it says, now Nineveh was a very large city. Jonah didn't just say obey, it says he went those two things must go together. Now, it took three days to go through it, right? 
And then let's just read actually the whole passage here. Let's just finish this out. Let's see what happens. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's a happy, feel-good message. How would you like to give that? The Ninevites believed God. What? A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, surely he's going to just snuff this thing out, right? He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. He called everyone, even the goats, to a fast. And then let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Very itchy, very itchy. And they did it. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, the king says. God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This represents one of the most radical reversals in human history, in civilization history. Jonah, Jonah didn't even travel the three days through the city. He just got into one day and then this massive reversal. How does that happen? What's happening in Jonah's mind as he's, as he's heading up to Nineveh? I mean, I don't think he expected this. Do you? He said, okay. And then he goes, and as he's going up north, what's going through his mind? Here's what I think is going through his mind. He's like, okay, I'm just going, I'm going, and they're, they're going to ghost me, they're, they're going to reject me, they, they might kill me, and because they're cannibals, they could eat me, but uh, okay, I'm going, right? I think that's what he was imagining, just like for you and me. When God calls you to someone or to something, when God calls you to someone or something, your Nineveh, which by the way, they don't have to be cannibals. They don't have to be anything but someone or some place that God loves. That's your Nineveh when he does it. What's going on there? What's happening here in Nineveh? Well, the theological word for it is provenience. Provenience. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. It's the priority of grace. God is going ahead of Jonah in grace. And I love how Peterson puts it a little bit later. He says, we are all always coming into something that is already going on. Isn't that a great? Just like, we are always coming into something that is already going on. In other words, here's, here's the key. When God calls you to someone or something, trust that he's calling them as well. Because here's the Nineveh journey. The Nineveh journey looks very similar, right? They got their own box. They're doing their own thing of uh, normalcy, but then they just go into all sorts of stuff. There's crisis. They go into a very dark place, all sorts of barbarianism, barbarianism, all sorts of debauchery, all sorts of things. But then somehow, as Jonah shows up, there is this awakening, a release, and they then have their own okay. 
When God calls you to someone or something or some place, trust that he's calling them to. The provenience of God's grace going before Jonah also goes before you. And I know you might be thinking, if I move out and I, I talk to this person or whatever, I invite them to church or I do whatever, they're going to reject me or ghost me or whatever, but they probably won't eat you, right? <laughs> trust that God, if he's calling you, he's also calling them. So who is that for you? Who is that right now? I just want you to think for a moment. In fact, we have a very practical um, way to practice this. So we're kicking off the One Campaign next month, and we're gonna be going through the Book of Mark with thousands of people all over the world, hundreds and hundreds of churches all over the world, and we're gonna just be down, drilling down on Jesus, staying down long for a good long time. We're gonna talk about it when we come together on the weekends, we're gonna be in watch groups, and we're doing this thing called 40 Days of Listening, where we're gonna to listen to the other three gospels uh, for 40 days. It's gonna be amazing. The immersion's gonna be sweet. Who is somebody that needs to know the story of God, needs to encounter the Jesus of the scriptures, that you could be prompted literally to ask them to join you in 40 Days of Listening? Who could that be? It's just a great way to, to practice and to, to say okay. In fact, let's just for a moment here, wherever you are, let's just, let's just stop and just say, God, who do you have for me? Who do you have for me? Bring somebody to mind by name, by face. Who is that? Let's just listen. Let's just take 15 seconds. We're just gonna listen. Now I'm trusting that for some of us, not all of us, God might speak to you later in a dream. He could, you know, who knows how he's going to bring people. But I, I would trust that for some of us, anybody just have a name or a face? I'm not going to ask you to share, but just give me a little head nod. Yeah? And if you're online, just go ahead and just throw that person's first name up in the chat, right? Just do that. And how do we walk in and say, okay, God, if you're putting that person on my heart, now I'm gonna trust that you've gone before them and they're going on their own journey. Here's why this matters, you guys. Here's why this matters. This isn't just about somebody listening to a Bible plan. This is about their lives for all of eternity. This is about the story of God. Because not only is there a Jonah journey, there's also a Jesus journey. And Jesus actually likens his journey a little bit to Jonah, which goes like this. When we sinned at the very beginning of time, God, who has always been positioned towards us, could have very easily said, nope, I can't have anything to do with you, right? But he provided a way. Ultimately, he said to his son, it's time. And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son into a very beautiful, yes, but very broken and dark place, dark, so dark to the point of death. But on the third day, he rose from the grave by the very power of heaven and brought great release. And it was by the okay of Jesus when he had every different option to, at his disposal. He could have bailed on the plan, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, and even when he decided to come in the first place, he kept obeying, he kept saying, okay, why? Because for God, no one, including you and me, no one is on his do not disturb list. 
No one is on his unidentified caller list. No one. Will he just like take your call if it's convenient for him? It was by the sacrifice of his very life, by, the, by his beloved son, that at great cost and sacrifice, he laid down his life for you. And no one's even on a double call. God doesn't go, okay, I'm just going to see if he calls back. No. You, no matter what your journey, you are on a first call basis with God. And so I ask you again, is he on a first call basis with you? Scriptures say if you, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts, but to respond. And for two millennia now, believers have decided to follow Jesus by literally doing what Romans 10, verses nine through 11 says. Just read this with me. It says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. God picks up on the first time, on your first call. And when he picks up, what does he say? What do you hear on the other end of the line? When I called my parents to tell them that I was transitioning from the lead pastor role at Heartland, I, I was a little nervous about it. Um, my parents loved that I was a senior pastor. They loved what I was doing, where I was doing it at. You know, they did what parents do. They would tell anyone, you know, they'd be at the grocery store. Did you know my son's a pastor? You know, they did all that. They're also, you know, concerned about the livelihood of us as a family, you know, so they could have easily said, now, son, you are 46 years old and you have three college tuitions and three weddings to plan for. Are you sure about this? You know what I heard? I said, mom, dad, I've made a decision. I'm transitioning from Heartland. I'm gonna go start a company. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know what it's gonna mean. I just kind of stopped. And my folks, they always put me on speakerphone. Drives me crazy, but I've grown to love it. <laughs> Here's what I hear. Yay! 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 We're so happy for you. We're so proud of you. You're going to do awesome. And as a 46-year-old man at the time, I had no idea how much I needed to hear the voice of my father shouting yay over me. And here in this moment, over to my right here on the Lenexa campus, and over on the left at the Speedway, and online, Pastor Jason Morris will talk you through, but we're gonna do some baptisms for those who are gonna bring their okay to God. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, Jesus is Lord. I'm no longer Lord of my life. Okay, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps, but Jesus, who was raised from the dead, can raise me to, to new life. Okay, I'm ready. 
And when you go into those waters, there are many who have signed up to do this. And by the way, it is not too late. If you just showed up today and you're feeling that first call prompting, or maybe this is the double, the third, the fourth call, you've just been resisting it. But now today, you know it's your time. I just want to tell you, don't let this be a moment of convenience. Let this be a moment that marks you for the rest of your life. We'll even give you a shirt. You don't have to worry about messing anything up. We'll call it a stunt shirt, right? And you can just... Jump in those waters. So go over to somebody in a red shirt and just say, I'm bringing my okay to God. And when you do that, and when you step in those waters, and when they lay you down, you're identifying with the death of Jesus, which means the forgiveness of your sins. And when they raise you up out of the waters, and you're identifying with the very power that raised him from the dead, will raise you to new life. And when you do that, guess what's going to happen in heaven? And guess what's going to happen here with all of us? We're going to shout, yay! Let's practice that. One, two, three. Yay! One more time. Yay! That's what you'll hear. So if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but respond. We're going to do this. So the band's going to lead us in some worship. We're going to head over there, right, for those that are declaring today publicly, the journey of Jesus is a personal thing, never meant to be private. And so would you head, if you're feeling so prompted, you're getting that call today. We want to call you to respond today. Come to the waters and bring your okay, and hear the yay of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.